Today on Season 3, Episode 71 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce is kicking it off solo for the first half of the show. He talks playoff position, team rankings, injury news, new faces, and the most glaring deficiency in the Packers' arsenal. Our series against the Lions concludes this weekend, and Math Bomb, a.k.a. Kent Lee Platty, stops by to the UPP studio. Did the Lions meet his expectations this season? Who do the Packers need to watch out for? What is he hoping to see this Sunday? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for Facing the Lions. Math Bomb on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Running isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Facing the Lions, Math Bomb on Tap. I am Bryce Christensen and I will be flying solo this first half, peacocking it once again with all the faithful followers, supporters, and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. And in the second half, we are welcoming Kent Platty a.k.a. Math Bomb. We actually recorded with him back in June, June 30th specifically, for his first self-titled episode, Math Bomb on Tap. So if you have not yet, check that out, and we're going to get a little bit of a snapshot of his background, and then we're going to talk about the Detroit Lions, who are 5-7, and seven, and they are the next Packers opponent Scheduled to play this Sunday at 3.25 p.m. Central Standard Time. It was flexed. Originally, it was a noon game. Flexed to 3.25. But after the Packers won 30-16 over the Eagles, it's now time to shift our focus to the Detroit Lions. But I wanted to share a little bit of news, my thoughts, and some other sort of quotes or statistics that I feel like you'll find useful that will get you equipped and ready for this Sunday's showdown. Packers right now stand at 9-3. and three. They have the same record through 12 games a season as they did last season. But here's the key. They're in a much better playoff position than they were in 2019. Last year, you had the San Francisco 49ers, who were clearly the best team in the NFC, And now you're looking at 2020 right now, and I feel that the Packers are in the driver's seat, and they have a real shot at making their first Super Bowl appearance in a decade. Imagine that. And right now, after they beat the Eagles, they maintained a three-game lead atop the NFC North with four games remaining, and they square off against another NFC North foe in the Detroit Lions. When you're looking at the Super Bowl market, the Chiefs right now lead with Super Bowl odds at plus 200, followed by the Saints, Packers, and Steelers at plus 800. You have the Rams at plus 1,200, Seahawks at plus 1,400, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus 1,500, Bills at plus 1,700, Ravens at plus 2,800, and the Tennessee Titans at 2,800. LeFleur right now, is 22-6 and six through 28 regular season games as Packers head coach. 
And Mike Sherman and Mike McCarthy held the previous record for most regular season wins in their first two seasons of the organization with 21 each. But Lafleur still has four games left. And that just adds to the mystique right now, the excitement that you're witnessing with our Green Bay Packers right now. And when we're entering this week of play, the Packers currently rank second in total yards in offense, 11 in total yards allowed on defense. Only one team is the Rams that have a better combined rank than the Packers, 13. The Rams sit at five, third on offense, and second on defense. The Saints, 12 on offense, first on defense, and are tied with the Packers for the second best mark in the NFL. That's why my cadence a little bit changed with the Rams. Out of any team... In the NFC, the Rams are a team that just, I wouldn't say concern me, but I do feel like they're the, they're the team to watch out for in the NFC. They might stand in the way of the Green Bay Packers, but first and foremost, we do need to focus. It is a day-to-day, week-to-week NFL grind, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but if you caught 9-3 and three on tap with myself and my other brother from another mother, Ken Ingles, big bad Ken, we talked about What are the Packers' chances right now? I truly believe that they're going to continue to run the table. And they kicked off December on a really, really high note. I think what you're looking at right now is Aaron Rodgers in sync with Matt LaFleur and vice versa. LaFleur's in sync with Aaron Rodgers. With four games to go, the Packers have more touchdowns and points than they did in 2017, 2018, and 2019. What's really nice to see is there's no need for Rodgers to hold on to the ball, hunt for off-script throws, risk sacks, negative plays in the process. That was 2019. And even a few years before that. Right now, Lafleur's scheme is often creating wide-open targets for Rodgers, and he's only too happy to take them. His progressions go like clockwork. He's got a 1-2-3 throw or 1-2-3 extend. It has been truly magical to see the flow of this Green Bay Packers team. I mentioned in the 9-3 and three on tap episode that this virtual offseason, the theme you kept on hearing over and over again was how connected this team was, how transparent, how much they're communicating. And what you're seeing right now on the field is this is a team galvanized to root for one another. They've got their eyes on the prize. We as fans have our eyes on the prize. This is a special Green Bay Packers team. When you have players that are making blocks, that are making plays that aren't showing up in the, on the stat sheet, that's when you have a really dangerous concoction brewing right now. And that's what you see with the Green Bay Packers. That beautiful 77-yard run to clinch the game this past Sunday. You had David Bakhtiari trucking downfield. You also had Aaron Le- Rodgers trying to make a block here and there. MVS, who had dropped that that bomb by Aaron Rodgers, was there making that key block. On top of it, though, you had Aaron Jones making moves to extend that play to make that play happen. 77 yards, pay dirt. This is a fun Green Bay Packers team. I'm thrilled to talk about the Green Bay Packers with you week in and week out. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers continuing this topic, he leads the NFL right now with 36 touchdown passes, already 10 more than last season, has a 118.5 passer rating. That rating is fourth best in NFL history behind the record-setting 122.5 in 2011. 
by Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning's 121.1 in 2004, and surprisingly, Nick Foles' 119.2 in 2013. On top of that, you have Devontae Adams, who leads the league with 102.9 yards per game. Crazy to think that he's also missed two games, the Saints and the Falcons. And then he also aggravated his ankle in the Jacksonville Jaguars game. But so far, you have yet to see anything get in the way of Devonta Adams. I mentioned this in the previous episode that they have the best trio, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Adams, and Aaron Jones. And then when you're looking at the other side of the football, you got Zadarius Smith, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, and, and Darnell Savage making plays. Also, Rashawn Gary is getting home, evidenced of last Sunday with a sack, uh, one and a half sacks, to be clear. And you're looking at, on both sides of the football, you have playmakers, legit superstars. And typically, you always saw it one side of the offense had superstars, but the defense didn't. Right now, you're seeing that, and you're having these sort of unsung heroes like Kingsley Kiki contribute. You're having... Kamal Martin, the game needs to slow down for him a little bit, but he's got that energy. He's got that juice. He's got that motivation. I still think that he's going to continue to ascend. But you've got legit superstars in Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, and Darnell Savage with that interception now has three interceptions in his last seven days. Two games, three interceptions. I think that he is just scratching the surface. He is going to be a household name in the NFL. I'd also be remiss if we wouldn't talk about my boy, the Sycamore, Robert Tunyon, who has eight touchdowns on the season, the most by a Packers tight end through 12 games since Paul Kaufman, who had eight in 1984. It's 30 years ago. Can you believe that? No Jermichael Finley, Chewy, Keith Jackson. I mean, even Donald Lee had a couple of good seasons where he found the end zone. But right now you're seeing Robert Tunyon really start to take that next leap. Crazy to think he's only 25 years old, too. And something that I want to mention in that 9-3 and three on tap episode is, uh, and this is courtesy of Wes Hockowitz of Packers Insider Inbox, in regards to Aaron Rodgers, who eclipsed 400 touchdowns this past Sunday, Devonta Adams caught Rodgers' 400th. Ty Montgomery caught Aaron Rodgers' 300th touchdown. Devonta Adams, as a rookie, caught Rodgers' 200th touchdown. And James Jones caught Rodgers' 100th touchdown. So exciting stuff. Not only are the Packers cruising right now, but they are coming together at the right time. December football in Lambeau, and they've got their eyes on that number one seed. And But something to keep in mind is that you're seeing injuries start to crop up. And specifically, you look at Corey Lindsley, Tyler Irvin, and Raven Green, where Coach LaFleur mentioned that it was pretty significant or it was serious injuries, and they could all be destined, unfortunately, to the IR. My co-host, or our co-host, Ken Ingles, had said that he expects a few Packers rosters moves announced. Unfortunately, I won't see those in time before this episode is released. But you have Isaac Nata, who's signed to the practice squad. We're going to talk about him a little bit with Kent Platty and a.k.a. Math Bomb in the second half, and talking about with Wynn Irvin and Green, um, they're also, like I mentioned, going on IR. Not only Corey Lindsley, too, who was placed on IR this past weekend. So you're seeing a lot of people getting placed on that IR. 
Ken thinks that maybe the roster will fill up. It's currently at 51. Perhaps A.J. Dillon comes off the COVID list, who's been on that for weeks, and I'm getting a little concerned, and hopefully he doesn't have any sort of long-term consequences with this. But he says that his guess is safety Henry Black, jackpot, gets a promotion of the active 53-man roster to make room for the reported tight end Isaac Nauta signing to the practice squad. So I mentioned in the previous episode that Corey Lindsley's injury, you have Elton Jenkins replace him. Raven Green, you're probably looking at Henry Black replacing him. Tyler Irvin, now it's Tavon Austin's turn to replace Tyler Irvin. Billy Wynn, you're probably looking at Kingsley Kiki, who's continuing to spell Dean Lowry and compliment Kenny Clark. But I'm getting concerned that all these injuries are cropping up and that depth is starting to get depleted. So hopefully the Packers can continue minimizing any sort of significant injuries and they can continue unscathed as we keep our eyes on what is rightfully ours, the Vince Lombardi trophy. And as, as we wrap up the first solo half of yours truly and looking forward to Math Bomb, Kent talking about the Detroit Lions, I did want to mention that in December football, Specifically, the Packers won all five games last year in December after losing to the Niners the last week of November. They went on to beat the Giants, Redskins, Bears, Vikings, and Lions. That Detroit Lions game was a game with David Blau where the Packers would, they did look like they were going to possibly lose that game. They eked it out on a Mason Crosby field goal and they had their eyes set on that number one seed. Unfortunately, you had the Niners and Seahawks. Seahawks couldn't do the deed and in that Sunday night football game and the Niners ended up getting the one seed Packers got the two seed. But right now, when you're looking at the green Bay Packers and who they face off, we'll talk a little bit about this in the second half, but they beat the Detroit lions in week two, 42, 21, but we're down 14, three in the first quarter before exploding for a 39, seven run. Aaron Jones had 168 yards on the ground and 68 in the air with a total of three touchdowns. Gary had one and a half sacks. Zadarius had a sack and Preston with a half sack. Also, Shannon Sullivan had an interception. This is a team, like Ken mentioned in our 9-3 and three on tap episode, you've got Matt Stafford, who is a hell of a quarterback, and you better believe that he is going to air it out this Sunday. We'll talk a little bit about that in the second half. But these are some areas of concern that I have And first and foremost, we have to focus on the special teams. This is something that could rear its ugly head. It's already done that twice so far. Luckily, I guess, when you're looking at that one seed that New Orleans currently occupies, their special teams is an absolute disaster. But when you're looking at the Green Bay Packers, J.K. Scott ranks next to last in net punting average of 35.6. Mason Crosby, even though he's perfect, on field goals with 14 and 14, he's missed extra points in the last two games. How unusual is it for the Packers to allow two punt returns for a touchdown on a season? Well, the last time it happened to the Packers was in 1964. In 55 seasons, from 1965 to 2019, they've given up 11. So they've given up two so far right now. Um, and the last time that, has, that it occurred was 1964. So special teams is something that I, I just really want to shore up. Uh, J.K. Scott needs to get a little bit better at placing that football. You can't kick it right to the returner. 
lane integrity, also tackling. I know J.K. Scott was accused of not doing enough of either getting Jalen Rager to cut inside to possibly get tackled or doing something, pushing him out of bounds, doing something rather than backpedaling. Hopefully he's not put in that situation moving forward. But when we all have our eyes on the prize, this is a special season. Aaron Rodgers, MVP campaign. You've got a great coach. You've got great playmakers on both sides of the football. Special teams. That is what concerns me. And that is what I'm afraid of when it comes down to important football games in January and hopefully February. Does that rear its ugly head? So that is the first thing. Do they get better this week? They've got, they've got some opportunities to iron out some of these wrinkles, to clear up some of these blemishes. But first and foremost, that special teams needs to get better. Overall, though, when you're looking at this Green Bay Packers team, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this team loves playing for their coach. Credit to Mark Murphy and general manager Brian Gutekunst for instilling a culture, for hiring a coach that has then set up this culture of winning, this culture of pride, brotherhood, and camaraderie. Crazy to think that it's, it's only his second year. Remember last year, the drama of Rodgers and Lafleur and uh, the culture being being set up with bringing in those four off-season acquisitions with Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Billy Turner. And now you've gotten your year two. You're taking that year two jump. You're seeing these ascending players in this year two jump, specifically Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, Kingsley Kiki, Elton Jenkins. And you have premier players in literally every single position outside of special teams. It's time to shore up the special teams. And that is something that I'm going to be focusing on week in and week out. I did want to end on this quote. This is from Packers coach Matt LaFleur. The thing I love about our team is when it did get a little bit rough for us, there was no panic. Nobody blinked. We stuck together and we were able to finish the game. This was during his post-game press conference after the 30-16 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. You had that fourth down conversion from Hertz to Ward. And then you had that punt return by uh, Jalen Rager that cut the lead to seven. And granted, the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that is struggling, but I thought that quote was important. You're looking at a team that knows that they're good, that doesn't blink, and continues, I think, getting better week in and week out, and they are on a mission. I cannot wait for this Sunday's game, but first and foremost, I am thrilled to welcome our next guest, Kent Platty, a.k.a. Mathbound right after this commercial break. Go back up. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. Go back, go! And we are back with the second half of Facing the Lions. Kent Platty, a.k.a. Math Bomb, on tap. And the moment you've all been waiting for, we welcome our next guest, Kent, how are you doing? Fantastic, man. Glad to be back. Likewise, feelings mutual. And I know for some, this might be the first time that they're hearing you on our podcast, but we did a recording back in June, Math Bomb on Tap. For all those that are tuning in, if you have not, he goes into a little bit more of his background 
and talks a little bit more on how he created his brand, Math Bomb. And so first and foremost, we talked about this in our episode this past summer, but tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get inspired to work in sports? And so I started writing about the Detroit Lions more than 10 years ago now. And it was, you know, message boards and, you know, social media, whatever I could do. Just loved writing about my team. And, you know, I, I started my own site and wrote there for a bit, started helping other people with their sites. Eventually, I landed with a Sideline Report, which is still going as the fan-sided Detroit Lions site. Um, from there, I went to Pride of Detroit, and I was there for five years, four or five years, I forget which. Um, I left there just a few months ago, and I've been working entirely behind the scenes now for Pro Football Network. I do a lot of their back-end work, their tables work, their architecture work. Um, so I'm still still doing sports stuff, just less less forward-facing. And how did you get to where you're at currently? For those that uh, they might be hearing you for the first time, could you talk a little bit about that journey to where you got to where you're at right now? Yeah, so back in 2013, I started looking at uh, about measurements and analytics from a, from a, a metric standpoint. Um, and I started building out uh, a composite metric that we could use to identify player athleticism. It's called Relative, Relative Athletic Score, or RAS. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen it on social media if you followed me at all. Um, but eventually, I, I made it my own application for it. People could go on and look up players whenever they wanted to. It's now its own website. You can go to relativeathleticscores.com. You can look up any player from the last 34 years now, since 1987, the data goes back to. Um, and see how guys tested compared to their position group up to their draft year. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming in the next year, but that that analytics work got got some some vision. I've I've been on the New York Giants official radio station. I've been on the Miami Dolphins official radio station. Um, I've done a lot of draft work over the last couple of years, and it's just getting bigger and better every season, it seems. That's so exciting, and I've been a fan of yours, and I was thrilled to get you to come on uh, during the summer for your own self-titled episode, Math Bomb on Tap. So I'm going to do another shameless plug there to make sure that people get a chance to listen to that because we dive way more into your background, not just sports, but where it all began and to where you are now. But as we uh, approach this Sunday, Packers and Lions, another NFC North uh, divisional rivalry, uh, these two teams go go way back. And uh, knowing that you're a Lions fan, knowing that you do some work in regards to the Detroit Lions, let's let's switch focus and focus on this game that's coming up. The Lions are now five and seven. Packers are nine and three. But did your preseason opinions of the Detroit Lions match your current expectations so far in this odd and unusual 2020 season? Yeah, unfortunately, um, <laughs> we had uh, we had a couple of ideas of where the team might go. You know, there. Whenever you have a, a coach that doesn't win, you know, you start looking at what they are doing correctly. Whether they're building a competitive team, whether they're making the team better, and things are just falling short. You know, we lost Matthew Stafford for half the season last year, so the win total was never going to be really high. Uh, but the team managed to stay fairly competitive. So there was part of us that were thinking us meaning Lions fans that were thinking, you know, maybe this is this is going to be the year because they were so competitive in all those games, even the ones they lost. It was always really close, even with backups playing and, and all these things. They just got to put a couple of things together and get over that hump. Um, but the other half of you was thinking, you know, they crapped away a lot of fourth quarter leads. And mm-hmm. the team just it, it just kept couldn't get out of its own way. And if that shows up early, we had a really good idea that what that was going to mean for the season because it, it meant that the team 
was just not improving. And if you have a coach that isn't improving and you're already bad, it's it's no good. And then what happened? The, the Lions come out week one and they get a nice lead and then they blow it in the fourth quarter and they lose that lead and they lose in spectacular fashion. And it just really set the tone for the rest of the season. Um, it, it, we're kind of headed towards a rebuild now and that's unfortunate, but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get something right this next time. And keeping on the same trend of the same question, how have the Lions been? I know they're five and seven. They came off uh, a really nice come from behind win against the Chicago Bears. But overall, for all of our fans that are tuning in, how have they been? So under Matt Patricia, the defense was just awful. They've had a ton of injuries. I mean, the, the injury list is, is huge. Um, when you have a good coach, they can usually overcome that. Matt Patricia was never able to build a defense when his defense was healthy. So uh, an injured defense just made things much worse. The offense was a different story. There was a, a lot of good things that, that Daryl Bevel and Matthew Stafford had going for them in the beginning. And then this season, a lot of that just didn't come together. They signed Adrian Peterson and they kept feeding him the ball, even though he was clearly not as good as the other backs they had on the roster. Um, and that continued for quite a while until DeAndre Swift really got his workload and he started to blow up. And then unfortunately he uh, got suffered a concussion and he's been ill. Um, we're hoping to have him back for this week. And that, that means a completely different offense than what they did before. Uh, but there was a lot of really predictable play calling up to this last week when Daryl Bevel really took the reins and he started to push Matthew Stafford to just go downfield. They played a lot looser. Um, you always hear that when there's a, a interim head coach that takes over for a fired one because they're just trying to have fun or whatever. But that's Matthew right. Stafford's game, man. He loves he loves going out there and just slinging it. And that's what the Lions did. And it worked for him. And for all the fans that are tuning in, they're probably pretty familiar with the Detroit Lions we faced off against the Detroit Lions week two, uh, winning 42-21. But you, the Lions had a lead 14-3 in that first quarter. Now, specifically, what do the Lions excel in offensively and defensively? Because they do have some key pieces, and I'm wondering if you'll see if that'll show up this Sunday. They've got some key pieces, specific pieces, on their offense and defense. It's much more than than having their their, their good units, right? And the Packers have, have traditionally had a really good offensive line, and they've been able to protect Aaron Rodgers really well. The Lions don't really have that but they have a really good left tackle. They have the best center in the NFL, in my opinion, in Frank Ragnow. Um, okay. You know, they, they have Kenny Galladay, who's unfortunately hurt right now. I don't know if he's going to play. But when they have those guys out there, they have some things that they can do because they have individual pieces that work well. Uh, and it's been the same way on defense. You know, most of the season they haven't had a good pass rush, but they were able to get Romeo Aquara going. Um, they were able to, to sign Everson Griffin, and he's done really well since he's been here. Things started to change once they had a pass rush, and they were able to actually get to the quarterback. You know, when you when you can't pressure anybody, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is because they're just they're just going to be out there until the receiver eventually gets free. And a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or any smart quarterback, they can figure that defense out quick. So they've done some things good, but it's always bits and it's a bit patchwork. And on the other side of the coin, then, what do the Lions struggle in, then, both offensively and defensively? Offensively, it's just getting separation. Their, their receivers have always struggled with getting separation. Matt Patricia has had a really weird preference for, for big, physical possession receivers who can't really separate, but they excel at those 50-50 balls. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, they drafted Quintus Cephas in the fifth round. These are all guys that excel at that, that physical game 50-50 you know, uh, stuff. Uh, they don't get a lot of separation. They don't. They don't get open very much. 
But that's where TJ Hawkinson has came in because TJ Hawkinson right. does get separation and he's also really good at doing that 50 50 stuff. So it started to change a little bit once they got him more and more involved. The defense, I don't know, I don't know what they did well for most of the season. They, they, they couldn't rush the passer, they couldn't defend the run, they couldn't cover anybody. Some of that's tightened down. I mentioned the pass rush has gotten a lot better with Everson Griffin on board and Romeo Aquara really turning it up. So it's gotten a little bit better, but it's still not quite there. And as I mentioned, there's been a lot of injuries. You know, Danny Shelton going down was a huge blow for that defensive line. He really started to lock it down as the, the team's nose tackle. Um, and then he got hurt. Losing Trey Flowers for a bit really hurt. Mm. Jeff or Jeff Okuda has been down for a little while. That oh, hurt. No. We, we had lost Desmond Trufant for a while. That hurt. Uh, it's really helped that that the Lions' fifth-round pick from last year, uh, Amani Oruwariye, you'll hear people stumble over his name pretty much all, all game. <laughs> but he's been a revelation in, in this year. He's easily the team's best cornerback right now. So some of that, those injuries and guys going down – you know, push somebody else to do better, and that's what we—that's what you hope for. Problem is, it's only happened like that's pretty much the only spot it's happened. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So you've mentioned a couple of players uh, for Packer fans to keep an eye on. Are there any other players that you feel like that might show up uh, this Sunday that might surprise some Packer fans? Maybe surprise you? Or overall, are there other players that we should key in on for this Sunday showdown? Yeah, so the the offense they've they've started slinging it to to guys like Mohamed Sanu, who's who's like thirty two. They signed him a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they didn't really do anything dynamic on offense. They had a really nice throw. It was a highlight throw to Quintez Cephas. It was fantastic. Great play by the rookie. Um, but he hasn't really made a lot of those this year. I know I know Packers fans really liked him because he came out of Wisconsin. So right. they, they really liked him. They're very familiar with his game. He struggled a bit as a rookie. Um, we're hoping that they get him more involved just because they got to develop their younger guys. The guy to keep an eye on that I think they're going to try to do that with this week is Hunter Bryant. He's an undrafted free agent tight end. Um, they, they just called him up this last week. We, we cut Isaac Nada, who the Packers actually picked up for their practice squad. But with Bryant finally healthy, they're, they're probably going to try to get him at least a little bit involved because that's what they did last week. They got some other guys who haven't really had a shot and they got them involved. I'm thinking that's what they try to do is get him a little bit more into the offense, get him a couple of passes. On defense, there isn't really a lot because they haven't changed a whole lot. The linebacking crew is, is pretty weak, and they don't really have any young developmental guys to, to, trot, to trot out there. And it's the same thing across the secondary and the defensive line. You know, Most of these guys are veterans. They've been around for a while. There aren't really any surprises. Amani Oruwari is the guy that I mentioned earlier, and he's really the guy to watch. He's number 24 just because he's been the Lions' best corner. And it's it's one of those guys that's that's quietly a good player. You know, he's not real flashy, doesn't get a, a ton of picks or big big uh, big pass deflections. He's not mouthy and, and uh, arrogant like Jair Alexander is, and that's not an insult, not at all an insult for a cornerback. So he's not super flashy, but he's a really good player, and he's one to watch because he's probably going to get some of the tougher assignments. And this wasn't part of the agenda that I sent over, but with the Packers recently uh, signing Isaac Nata, could you give us a little bit of a snapshot of what he could possibly bring to the table for the Green Bay Packers? Sure. Nata's a little bit weird because he doesn't fit the the Packers' athletic tendencies in general. Mm -hmm. The the Packers in general have been very aggressively super-tier athlete. They go after those hardcore athletes. They don't have quite as strict as strict of a tendency for tight end, but not a measured really bad. It's not that he measured not great. He measured really poorly. 
he's a good blocker. Uh, he's he's not a very good receiver. He's he's very clearly not fast or dynamic as an athlete. His hands were a huge draw when he was coming out of Georgia, but he had a lot of trouble with drops in training camp. And then to, when he actually got some action last season, we didn't see him much this year. But he's an H-back. He's a guy that can move around an offense and, and find different ways to contribute. He's a very hard worker. He's a tough guy. Um, he's not a, a terrible, awful player that everybody should be sad that they picked him up. Uh, he's just not very dynamic. He's not going to be you know, some weapon that they roll out. But he'll go out and do a job if they give him one. I appreciate that deviating a little bit from the agenda. And we've got a couple of questions before we wrap up facing the Lions Kent Platty, a.k.a. Math Bomb, on tap. But the moment we've all been waiting for, what are your opinions or opinion of the game heading into Sunday's showdown between the Lions and the Packers? Yeah, coming into this week, we didn't really have a whole lot to go on because this is Daryl Bevel's, it's only going to be Daryl Bevel's second, second game as a head coach um, after Matt Patricia was fired. His first game as a head coach looked mostly like Matt Patricia's games have looked. He had a lot of the same type of game plan coming in, uh, especially on defense. Um, as I mentioned before, they're they're pretty gutted due to injuries, so they're they're dealing with a lot of trouble on that front, and it really shows up. And I expect the Packers to pretty much roll over that defense. Uh, but the big question is what the Lions are going to do on offense, because Daryl Bevel did change up the offense quite a bit, and you especially saw it at the end of that second half when they started to come back. Uh, he really opened it up, and they started playing really loose. Loose can mean careless sometimes, and Matthew Stafford can get careless with the football if he's got a big he's got a big lead he's trying to make up. But uh, you know, watching them sling it around and really go for stuff like that, it's it's exciting football. It's it's much less boring than what we've been dealing with in Detroit for the last couple of years. Um, but I really expect them to open it up and try to do it, especially if DeAndre Swift is healthy. Um, that that dynamic passing threat out of the backfield is huge. Uh, if he's able, he's actually, he came off of a concussion. I believe he's out of concussion protocol, but he was dealing with an illness. So if okay. if he's able to play, uh, I really expect that offense to open up and we could see a shootout, which uh, frankly, it, it just, ex- the excitement of having a shootout, I'm not even really worried about the win or the loss. Just the fact that we have a shootout and teams that can, can put it to each other could be a lot of fun. Well, I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the Unknown Packers podcast. I've got a pop quiz question for you. If you you could go back and cover one season of Detroit Lions football, what season would that be? Well, they only ever had one postseason win, right? As far as the Super Bowl <laughs> era, uh, but I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a football historian as well, man. I love I love looking up the the olden days of football and what things used to be like when the Lions were good. So <laughs> back in the '50s, the Lions had one of the most uh, dominant teams in the NFL, both both offensive and defensive. And I think it would be really cool to go back to those type of days, not just to see how football used to be played but to see how a dominant football team looked back then. Because you have a quarterback like uh, Bobby Lane or Tobin Rote, which is a oh, great yeah. football name. I was um, going to say. <laughs> you have a guy coming out there that's throwing like seven touchdowns and 14 interceptions, and they're one of the <laughs> best quarterbacks in the NFL that year. And that's that's crazy to me. Um, but they also had one of the best defenses in the NFL. And there's several Hall of Famers from that defense, including Joe Schmidt, who went to 10 Pro Bowls, uh, I think I think nine or ten All Pros. One of the one of the most uh, dominant linebackers in NFL history, 
And I think it would be really fun to go back and just see how different things were played and to watch a team that I actually like and care for do well and win championships. So we're back at the 50s. I love that answer. And I'm actually one of the the privileges of doing this podcast is, is getting some of this insider information and researching it on my own end. I, I love football history as well. And so I'm definitely going to go back and check out those 50s Detroit Lions teams based off of your recommendation. And as we wrap up facing the Lions, Kent Platty on tap, where can listeners uh, follow you throughout social media if you're doing any sort of pregame coverage before the Packers Lions game? On game days, I spend most of my time on Twitter. You can find me on there at MathBomb. Uh, I'm very easy to find and engage with. I will almost yeah. always reply to folks mm-hmm. who reach out to me on, on Twitter. I love I love talking to fans. I love talking football, even if it's people who don't like my team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of draft coverage lately. Uh, I've been going over quarterbacks. I know you guys just drafted a quarterback early, so you're right. not paying too much attention to that kind of stuff. Um, but I'll be covering the draft very heavily. I, I've been working for Pro Football Network. They have a mock draft simulator that they have that, oh, over there where you can go make up your own mocks. You can do trades and those type of things. I do a lot of the back end work for that. I, I control a lot of the tables that, that run the rankings for that. So, yeah, you can you can check that out. You can check me out on Twitter. Uh, and that's, that's a lot of it. I'm, I'm just out there enjoying football games right now. Well, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming back for the second time for your own self-titled episode. I look forward uh, to keeping in contact with you and also touching base with you when the Combine and the NFL draft. We'll look forward to getting you back on and talking uh, a little bit more about that environment as we get closer and closer to the 2021 offseason. But thank you so much, Kent, for coming on, taking time out of your busy schedule. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And there you have it, Packer fans. Packers, Lions this Sunday. Packers are 9-3. and three. Lions are 5-7. and seven. This should be an exciting game, possibly a shootout, but we shall see. Till next time, I am Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. <laughs>